virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a City smash five past sorry Sheffield, Kalechi is king and we look forward to the FA Cup tie against Manchester United. In association with footballkitmarket.com, it's for Fox sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me, Rob Hayes. Rob, have you, have you this week, or in the few days since the Sheffield United game, have you just basically been wearing a Leicester shirt all around your area, keeping social distance away from people, but trying to be seen by as many people as possible? Is that what you've been doing? I would absolutely love to say yes. What I have done is I've been into school today in my Leicester shirt because it's a PE day, but it was quite cold. So I've had it on under my jumper. So subtly I've been walking around wearing the badge very proudly. And I've had a little dig at a couple of Sheffield United fans, but I've kept it fairly low key. Uh, And the main reason for that is because I don't think they need any more salt rubbing into any more wounds because they were absolutely pathetic. They were. They were They were dog, weren't they, really? They were dog. And I think it's a really good place to start. I think we, we put it out there right now. They were appalling. They've been a side who were who have struggled all season. We know bottom of the league haven't picked up many points at all. And if you just looked at the league table, you would think that they are absolutely rubbish. But they haven't actually been rubbish all season. They've lost by the odd goal. I think the perfect example would be the uh, the game at Bramall Lane this year when it was a very, very late goal, wasn't it, by Vardy to take the three points for Leicester. Yet, you look at their record and they've only lost by one goal here. They've had a few draws here. They've just been lacking up top. Uh, one or two injuries at the back. So they had to change their style, the style that pretty much got them promotion for a couple of seasons pretty much on the Bows League one up into the championship and then all the success that they've had. And But if you just look at the league table this year, you go that they're rubbish when they're not. That's now changed. We know Chris Wilder left under a, a huge cloud, really, because I don't think he would have liked to have left from what I've heard. And, and one person I know um, regarding Sheffield United saying that he was pretty much going in January... Uh, he's left under a cloud, and then I, I think he'll be back. Um, I think there's a real Nigel Pearson link here, because I think there's going to be a very similar story at Sheffield United with regards to Chris Wilder. Then you look at Nigel Pearson, what he did at Leicester, because then he left and then came back. I think that's what's going to happen. I can see Sheffield United, because they're going down, maybe struggling next year in and around, say, mid-table, and then maybe Wilder coming back. In a in a kind of or you know time is a is a great healer, um, everything's forgotten regarding Wilder and the board because that's all it is. I believe he's still got the players on his side and the fans etc. It's just 
the hierarchy, which is really maddening if you're a supporter, isn't it? Because if you fall out with the, if the manager falls out with the players at your football club, you can then kind of understand why the manager would then go, uh, depending on whether the players you think have too much power. But also, if your results are really, really appalling, then yes, the manager. Will. But then, if the manager falls out with the board, you kind of sit there, really, don't you, and go as a supporter. There's absolutely nothing we can do. The players could be playing quite well on the field, and yet there's still problems at the club. It's it's really frustrating. So they had a new manager in charge or um, a temporary boss, and it, it all looked to be very, very awkward for them. And we'll stop talking about Sheffield United now because it is a Leicester City podcast, but this will be the last time that we do say they were awful because when we go and wax lyrical about aspects of Leicester's play and performances, there is that massive... Well, there is an asterisk, really. Even though we are a top four at the moment side and we're playing really well, especially on this occasion, this 90 minutes, you do have to quantify it with they were dreadful. They were all over the place. and um, But there we go. Saying that, Rob, we've just got them on fire, haven't we? Yeah, exactly. And I, that's a key point because we're talking about Leicester City beating a fellow Premier League side 5-0, yet... The, I guess the result itself is not the focal point of the podcast. We've got so many good, positive things to talk about. Um, when really the main thing to take away from from that result is the fact that it's three points more in in the Premier League. And I know I risk sounding like a manager or a player here, but you really have got to move on from that game fairly swiftly because the opponents in front of us on Sunday afternoon were absolutely not at it for whatever reason. Obviously, the manager's gone, as you said. Uh, from from what I gather, living here in Sheffield, the general consensus was that there were very, very few of the supporters would have wanted Wilder to go because, yes, they've struggled a lot this season, but as you say, the, the results haven't been... They haven't been getting absolutely flattened every week. They never lost by more than three goals under Wilder, and we stuck five past them the day after he leaves. You know, it is a real hangover effect there. Um, so we can't read that much into the fact that we scored five goals. And most Sheffield United fans would have kept Wilder absolutely on next year as the best candidate to get. Sheffield United into a position in the Championship next season where they can be challenging for an immediate return to the Premier League. Much like Norwich, say, and Daniel Farker, who are now absolutely steamrolling clear at the top of the Championship, having kept the manager and a lot of the players who have now got an experience of a Premier League season under their belts from last season and will come back better for it, I'm sure. So, yeah, I, I, I can certainly see Wilder coming back to Sheffield United at some point. Frustrating for them that the board issues caused the departure but it could have gone two ways couldn't it really because Heckingbottom has, has been at the club a little while now as the under 23 manager he's got managerial experience at Leeds and Barnsley and, and Hibs as well up in Scotland and they've kept the assistant manager on they've brought in Jason Tindall from uh, after he recently left Bournemouth so really they've got a good coaching structure there with some Two managers, really, in Heckingbottom and Tyndall, who've both managed, uh, albeit in the Championship and the Scottish Premiership. So it could have been a, let's get straight back at it, lads. But I think because it's a temporary appointment of Heckingbottom, the players don't necessarily feel like they've got anything to prove to him because he's been around the camp for a little while 
and he's from his words and the appointment of it as a temporary manager or interim whatever you want to call it it doesn't look like he's going to be the man that's in charge next season at this stage so the players really would just have been moping about after the departure of Wilder as you said the dressing room seemed to still be on his side so that led to Leicester being able to walk all over them they were basically like a pub team so the 5-0 scoreline fantastic enjoyed it great watch um, looks good for the goal difference, good for the points tally, but I think we need to get into some of the finer details of it and kind of brush the 5-0 under the carpet. Would you ever have expected to say that about a Premier League win? Exactly. It's um, it's interesting because last uh, last time out, we were trying to work out the, the scenario of the starting lineup and and who's what and where, and we're almost kind of right in a way because they needed to keep the partnership up front going for various reasons the lack of Madison and Barnes still you need to be playing two up top you need because Kelechi's going to play so if he's going to play he's going to be playing alongside Vardy slightly maybe withdrawn from Vardy also he's the man in form and certainly now and so the the, the kind of four four two scenario that we envisaged it didn't actually work out that way because Rogers went with a three at the back and initially when I saw the starting lineup I thought well is it a slightly too cautious um, when it turns out because of the way that mainly Sheffield United played and also Leicester, uh, it, it didn't um, it didn't lend it that way because it, uh, the inclusion then of Iosi Perez, which was a surprise I think to many, a good surprise the fact that he's back uh, because we need bodies, don't we? And also it was a great game for him to come back, played well. And in a position where we know that's really his best position um, in a central role, whether it's as he played pretty much as an 8-10 in the centre with the two players further forward, um, but at least it was in the centre rather than out wide. And um, and then you've got the main man up top, Clechi Iheanacho, and, uh, and, and Vardy with the rest of the side kind of filling in as it, as it was and as you would pick because... Um, they were the men fit and they were the men uh, in the positions where we don't have pretty much anyone else at the moment. Because when you look through the side, it was great to see Johnny Evans back, which we expected, um, or at least to be available. And so they went with the three. Now, instantly, you, you look at it, and I, I think we've said many times that the, the Leicester side is very adaptable and they can chop and change, etc. But you just look at that side... Uh, you've got um, Perez, who can then play out wide on the right. We know the two wing-backs slash full-backs can play uh, either on the left or the right. You've got uh, Ricardo, who can then play on the right wing as well. You've got um, three centre-halves, which can then obviously form into a two. Uh, and then you've got, even in midfield, someone like Yuri Tillemans, who then can move further forward. And even Wilford and Didi can then drop back in defensive leader. It's a very adaptable side. So including Johnny Evans and saying, look, you're not really going to get pressurised an awful lot in this game. Uh, you're not really going to be given the runaround by a quick centre-forward because they don't have one. It's um, it, it's a game where you can actually just sit back and let the two players alongside you um, be more aggressive, be more proactive, 
And then, of course, those two players being Soyuncu and Fafana, that's exactly the players that they are. Uh, so it really was a perfect game. And if there was any slight issues, then, of course, he can then come off and the side can basically change. Perez the same. If there's any slight issues, um, you can come off and the side can change and adapt. Uh, so it was a really good formation to pick. Um, but just with the defence, I mean, at the end of the day, they had nothing to do. There was a good line by the commentary, uh, commentary team by saying that Schmeichel, the only thing he's had to do is really stay warm in the game. I don't remember Johnny Evans hardly, well, basically touching the ball. I don't think he made a tackle or or really a header. It was him sitting back and saying, also Soyuncu sitting back and saying to Fafana, go on, lad, you, you're you the youngster, you run around. It seemed that every time the ball went forward for Sheffield United, it was Fafana who was winning the header. It was Fafana who was the person closing and tackling. And then it was Fafana bringing the ball out of defence. The only thing I saw Soyuncu do was pull out to the left-hand side and receive the ball from Schmeichel. And Johnny Evans just having a nice trot round and uh, and testing his his calf out, essentially. So for those, it was it was great. Um, the full-backs, well, wing-backs getting forward. It was a slight uh, issue with a Ricardo, a slightly tight hamstring. So hopefully that's him not out for any amount of time. And you have to say there would be question marks going forward with the Man United game this Sunday in the FA Cup, so we'll see what happens there. But they weren't really pressurised at all and just just competent, really. And then you got the midfield two, who were just not even head and shoulders. It's head, shoulders, knees and toes above the opposition. There was just so much space for Yuri Tillemans. And also, the fact that Perez was playing in front of him meant that Tillemans could just sit back and receive the ball off Ndidi and play a nice steady kind of natural game and, and just spread the ball around without the need to hair forward or hair back all the time because he's got three players in front of him in a central role he's got the two out wide as well so he could just relax and Wilford indeed he found it very easy just to pinch the ball intercept and those two I think Sheffield United could have had 10 in midfield and I still think Yuri Tillemans and Wilford indeed he would have had the majority of the ball and play so those positions, so obviously we haven't mentioned the, the forwards because that's kind of a, a, a different conversation we'll come on to because of the 5-0 scoreline and obviously the star of the show. So those in that back line, very, very comfortable. But again, the asterisk is there. It was a dog side. It was, but we've talked recently about the benefit of having an entire week between games, a luxury that we've not been afforded very often this season. Uh, Brendan Rogers said that he was looking forward to actually getting some coaching into the players and, and to be able to look at things from a tactical point of view a little bit more. And obviously, from our point of view, physical recovery, really, really important for certain players to be able to come back. That extra, that week off has allowed Evans back into the side, Perez back into the side. Uh, and what it's also allowed is a little bit of rest and recuperation for somebody like Yuri Tielemans, for example, who's played an awful lot of football this season. And I wouldn't say the game against Sheffield United was a game off because they still had to reach a certain level to navigate it successfully. And I don't think Sheffield United particularly were, were not working hard. They just didn't have the spring in their step or the extra half a yard um, whereas Leicester quite clearly did, and, and the class showed through. But Evans coasted through, no problems. 
like you say, Tielemans didn't have to do anywhere near as much lung busting up and down of the pitch as he has had to do in previous games. Perez, perfect game for him. Come in, get on the ball, move it, get it forward. Positive, he was very positive. And I'll tell you what else is positive, getting him through 80 minutes on his return from injury. Because we've seen a few players more carefully managed than that in recent weeks. But it was almost like if he was playing against most other teams in the Premier League, maybe Perez would only have got through 60 because the intensity of the game would have been a lot higher. So it was almost like a... I don't want to... It wasn't a friendly, obviously, but it was like a semi-competitive game or against an opponent that was a little bit of a mismatch and just won an opportunity to get minutes into the legs of certain players, get them to find a rhythm like Evans um, and Perez. And, and that was really that. So it was perfect to have a week off to then have this game. We couldn't have known before what this game would have been like, but in hindsight, a really good phased return from injury for those players with one or two more to come, hopefully in the next week or two. Um, and I totally agree. Perez in that role, we've seen a couple of times, if the midfield's too bogged down or he's playing against a team that are really pressing um, the uh, us as the opponent in possession, Perez sometimes struggles because he, he dallies a little bit too long for me sometimes, but he was afforded as much room as he liked against Sheffield United and the quality of his play was there and the sharpness against Sheffield United we have to keep putting this asterisk there, was there. So it's it'd be an interesting one to, to think of, of a different opponent. Would would Brendan Rodgers have, have risked playing those three? Because I think you're absolutely right. When I first saw that three, we were playing the three at the back and the wing backs, my first glance straight after that was, right, what have we got going forward? And actually, in Perez, Iheanacho and Vardy, you've got three forwards You've not got an attacking midfielder there. You've got three proper attackers. Different types of attackers, but three attackers. So it was almost like uh, the back three will sit there, although Fafana didn't have to, as you say, kept raiding down the right-hand side. Ricardo and Castagna know their jobs, and Didi and Tielemans will hold the middle. You three go and play. And goodness me, did they play. Exactly. Uh, your point there, three forwards, really is, is ideal. It's perfect, isn't it? Because they are forwards. And, and when yeah, when you're playing against a, a lesser opposition, Perez, first of all, there was one moment in the first half, and it wasn't the header, it wasn't the pass for Vardy to set up Kelechi for his first. It was a tackle facing uh, towards his own goal in the opposition half, and it was a tackle where both players um, caught the ball at the same time. There was a big boom, and, and uh, the ball just span up in the air. And it was a a strong challenge by both players and that's when I went hang on he's he's really in this game and he played well he moved the ball well as you said he's not a world beater he's against lesser opposition in that position he is a good Premier League player more than more than good Premier League player but when you're looking further forward is he going to be in the starting lineup in Leicester's best team I don't think so for example in that role if you were available if if you had an available and fit James Madison he would be able to play that role perfectly it's ideal for James Madison in fact and he would be my pick in that role ahead of Iosi Perez no problem no no problem at all and also looking further forward 
that's probably what's going to happen. This um, three-five-two formation with the glaring lack of a Harvey Barnes, because where Harvey Barnes plays in this formation, I don't know, and I don't think he does. Um, do you then change the formation to bring Harvey back in? Yes, you probably do. So oh, that that's a conversation for further down the line. But in the immediate next two, three, four weeks, this is the formation that's going to stay, I think. And also, the one change will be, again, Perez for or Madison for Perez. That's further down the line. But against a, a lesser opposition, had a really good game, lovely ball um, into the channel for Vardy, then cross and Kelechi there to score. I I think now, in in a in a kind of a, a wider discussion, we know Leicester can play the three forwards with Barnes one side, whoever on the right, maybe Perez, maybe um, Albrighton, whoever, and then Vardy down the middle. Vardy can play that role perfectly. We know. Premier League top goal scorer playing that role. But now he's playing with Iheanacho. Iheanacho's goal scoring record of, what, five goals in these three games. Important goals as well. But also their relationship, which is the number one thing for me. It's their relationship. We know how good a player Jamie Vardy is. Uh, regardless of his goal-scoring exploits. We know he's a team player, the ultimate team player, which I think caught out one or two people who aren't Leicester fans. Oh, actually, Vardy's got a really good uh, assist record. And actually, Vardy's a, a, a real all-round player. Yes, he is. He's an all-round footballer. He also has the ability still to streak away when he's fully fit and sharp, etc., from the defence. Uh, he's also the number one striker you want on a counter-attack. But have we kind of morphed into a Jamie Vardy is now best alongside another striker? It's all very well saying um, Kelechi Inacho's best with another striker. That's the conversation everyone's having right now. He's best when he's playing alongside someone else. Absolutely correct. Absolutely right. But also, I'm going to throw this to you, Rob, as we talk about the goals that were scored. And I think... Are we now saying, and I know it's only, what, a few games, but are we moving into, with the more than probable signing of a new number nine in the summer, or another centre-forward, are we now looking at Jamie Vardy being alongside another centre-forward? Is that now Leicester's ideal formation regarding Vardy? Regarding Vardy, it would seem so, especially recently. Because if you look at his record, it's proved that we we can't rely on his goals and his goals alone to 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 carry us up the league or to keep us up the league. For Ian Acho, it makes sense. On a recent podcast, we talked about when a if and when a striker comes in, Leicester have now got the capability to play with two up front, which would be Vardy and another which would mean that another striker would probably be more willing to join the club, knowing that they weren't just battling for Vardy for the one space up front. Is it as black and white as saying Leicester now play with two strikers and that's the best thing? I don't think it can be, purely because of Harvey Barnes. I think I think he's a real problem for Brendan Rodgers, as and when he comes back, because Barnes is in the form of his life. Goal scoring wise, assist wise, performance level wise, 
would absolutely have been in the England squad, surely. Um, but he doesn't fit into this shape. He might fit if you ever saw Leicester play, what, a 4-3-3, a la Liverpool, say. But we haven't really seen that. We've seen a very fluid um, rotation through a number of systems for Leicester in recent weeks. But that's not the kind of thing that we've seen. We are at the minute playing with Castagna and Pereira on the on the wide areas because we literally haven't got any other wingers, which is forcing, and I'm glad it's forced us to play two up front because otherwise, where does your attacking intent come from? That relationship between Vardy and Iheanacho is great. It's great for Iheanacho because he's not the sole focus. It's great for Vardy because he's got somebody to work with and if he he should have scored a couple against Sheffield United Vardy, but he put a couple on an absolute plate for Ian Acho instead, which is his contribution to the goals. So, to answer your question, yes, Leicester can now play with two up front again, which we haven't seen for a long time. I'd say we haven't seen properly since Vardy and Okazaki, really. It's always been just Vardy since then. But what Iheanacho is proving now is if you play him in a two and you play him regularly and you give him game time, he scores goals. And that's brilliant. It's a proper, brilliant, cliche football manager's headache when Barnes comes back. Because where do you put him in? I mean, for me, if you're naming Leicester's best 11, Barnes gets in it and Iheanacho doesn't. So... In my opinion, you would say, thanks a lot, Kelechi. Nice one for bagging all those goals. Harvey's back now. He's back in the team. But what I think we need to look at for next season is, if you are going to play Harvey Barnes wide on one side, Leicester need to invest in somebody that's going to um, balance that on the opposite side. Ricardo can play there, yeah. Albrighton can play there. Under, I don't think, has done enough to earn himself a permanent deal. That would be an area of recruitment to make that formation better than the one that we saw against Sheffield United because this right now is an excellent formation. And if you want to be a little bit more conservative, let's say against Manchester United at the weekend, which we will obviously come on to preview in more detail, you can quite easily drop Perez out of that, drop another central midfielder in and, and play it as a 3-5-2. So, two up front looks great for Vardy and Frianacho. It does. I, I completely agree with that point regarding the right side. If you were Leicester's best side, uh, best side has Harvey Barnes in, obviously. But that really does require... And, and and possibly, who knows, this, this is another way it could work. Leicester could be, let's just say, uh, Edouard up at Celtic. He's lined up for Leicester. 15 million quid, whatever. Number nine, uh, out and out centre forward, okay? If Kelechi Inacho carries on this form to the end of the season, you know, a, a ridiculous, not saying he's going to score a hat-trick every game, but in the last, you know, say eight or nine games, he scores, let's just say, eight or nine goals. Do you know what I mean? And it's um, it becomes not a nice little spell it becomes, hang on, this this guy has just clicked, you know, at 24, alongside Vardy, all of a sudden, this becomes not a very nice um, 
not happening, but because of injuries, we've had to play this way and it's just clicked. This is now a real thing. And then looking at next season, you're going, he's in there. He's starting alongside Vardy. That's a, a, a partnership you just can't break up. Does this actually change? And I'm getting way ahead of myself. Does this change our transfer policy? Do we look at it and go, do you know what? We don't actually need to spend a load on a new number nine. We do need someone else in there. But we're going to go and, and really put all our eggs in the basket of a right-sided winger. We change our targets. As, I mean, I, I wouldn't like that to happen. You'd think you'd try and go for the best player in each position. But it's it would be a, a fantastic problem or not even problem but a fantastic thing to have where you you look at at the end of the season you've qualified for the Champions League and you've got these two center forwards who have just hit on a massive run of form and you're looking forward to next season going these two are, are, are nailed on starting with each other that would be incredible and actually quite natural as well for someone like Vardy at his age to have that because it's it's been an issue I think pretty much every Leicester fan listening to this at some points and some Leicester fans more than others would have been banging on this door for probably years that Jamie Vardy would get in positions either running the channels closing players down etc etc just through his his hard work his harassment of defenders but also his extreme movement off the ball is intelligence allows him to get in those positions down through the channels and then there's absolutely no one in the penalty area to benefit from this uh, you would then get someone like a James Madison who has improved this part of his game no end this season coming in late and getting in those positions he's done well uh, Harvey Barnes the same as well but still that's not an out-and-out centre-forward who would be in those roles. Um, someone like Iosi Perez has, but again, it's not really been his forte because mainly he's been playing out wide on the right. But all of a sudden now, we do have a player who, even though he doesn't play as an out-and-out -out number nine, has more of a nine instinct than any other player in the Leicester side, in fact, in the Leicester squad, apart from Vardy. So when Vardy gets in these positions, who's there in the centre? Iheanacho. What happens against Sheffield United? Vardy. Brilliant ball by Perez. Vardy. Cross the ball. Bang. Goal. Iheanacho. He's there. He's there. Second half. What happens? Vardy. Gets the ball. Out wide. Straight away. Brilliant pass. Brilliant ball around. Who's there? Who's looked over and gone, do you know what? Jamie Vardy's over there. We need... Who's in the number nine position? Who's in the penalty? Me. I'm already there. I can make that move. Cross, bang, goal. Fantastic. And we know he's a finisher. He always has been. You know, if he gets a chance, we know he can finish. And then his hat-trick goal, you know, a, a, a just pure confidence, isn't it? And so... That's what we've missed for an awful long time. Now, because of the way that we play and, well, sorry, the, the, the formation that we play and the lack of another striker, it, it's obvious that's going to happen. It's um, beneficial for many other aspects of the side, but it just shows you when you do have that extra forward slash number nine on the field. Um, when Leicester get in those positions, which we like to do, um, and Vardy can and likes to do, and he's one of the best, I'd say, centre-forwards in the Premier League at not just running the channel, but receiving the ball in those positions. He looks up, 
where is someone in the centre? Where is there? It, there isn't one. Now we've got a player. Very, very simple, but I like it. I like it a lot. And um, and yeah, it's we'll have to see when Barnes comes back. But we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, Perez scored, what was it, the second goal, wasn't it? A, a good finish as well. Just shows you the confidence of the man as well. Um, after a really good first half, he must have come off that pitch at the uh, half-time going like Leicester or one-up, playing well. I know it took a while for them to score the goal, but you know they created a few chances. A really good header, good save by the goalkeeper. I don't think he's a, a, um, a real Premier League quality goalkeeper, but that was a good save because that header was going in. But we know that Perez actually is, is very good in the air. Um, so... Yeah, we, we probed and we, we just completely dominated really the first what, half an hour, 35 minutes, then got the goal. And once the goal went in, it was only going to be one way, wasn't it? So Perez came off at half time, must have been really buzzing. I've, I've set up Vardy for the cross for the goal, um, nearly scored with a great save. And then he just had the confidence to take a shot from distance. And it was a good finish, took a deflection, but don't matter, it went in the back of the net. Um, he had the confidence to take that shot. And and you want someone like Perez, who, like um, Kalecci, is a real confidence player. Uh, possibly even more of a confidence player, I would imagine. But uh, it would be a big task, because I'd imagine... And just a little look forward to the preview. But I think um, when we play Sheffield, uh, Man United in the Cup, I can't think of any reason why the same eleven plays. Uh, obviously, Ricardo is the issue, but that would be the only change for me. So, great that we scored five. It should have probably been more. There was all sorts of chances in the second half. Uh, Vardy, how he didn't, I don't know how he didn't bag a goal. I mean, my word, it, one or two you'd say chances he should have scored. There was a couple that we slipped, Kelechi uh, in the first half and then Vardy in the second half. It, it could really have been nine. It could have been, but uh, overall a great win. But that's that's my thoughts really regarding those those front players and, um, and the, the way that they worked. But also just it highlighted what we've, again, been missing more times than not. So it, another forward on the field. It's a huge nod to the form that Kelechi Inacho is in that we're talking here that Barnes returning to full fitness poses a bit of a problem. Um, not, not a bad problem, obviously, the good kind of problem, but it poses a problem because Inacho's in the, the form of his life. Never scored in three consecutive Premier League games before. Now he has. Never bagged a Premier League hat-trick. Now he has. And I'll tell you one more thing about Inacho before we move on. He, for me, in recent weeks, has he's certainly changed my mind about him. Because even as as short a time ago as a few weeks, we were talking that maybe this summer would be the right time for him to move on. And not really sort of being horrible to him, but it just hadn't clicked for him at Leicester. But the, the post-match press conferences from the Sheffield United game um, and the interviews that Ian Acho did have really highlighted the fact that, you know, you always the managers and the players always say, oh yeah, I'm working hard, working hard, whatever. But it looks like this has been a serious amount of graft from Ian Acho from coming to Leicester, not as necessarily the next big thing, but a fair amount of money, um, a decent sort of spotlight on him coming from Manchester City. He would probably have expected to come in, get in the team more often than not, carry on where he left off at City, scoring plenty of goals um, when he get the chance. 
and his career to just continue on an upward trajectory. It's not really happened in the last couple of years. And it looks like what he's done, he's got his head down and grafted uh, and worked on his game. And Brendan Rodgers is, a, is an incredible coach and man-manager. So I'm sure he will have benefited from working with him over the last couple of years. And I think what you're seeing now is all of those things marrying together all at once on the pitch. Of course, the opportunity to play more often has had to present itself, and it has through Leicester's injury and change of shape um, as a result of those injury problems. But you're seeing the Ian Acho that maybe he thought, and we thought he'd be, a few years ago when we signed him. His instinctive two first-time right-foot finishes for a left-footed striker who hasn't scored an awful lot of goals um, in his Leicester career so far. The confidence to bag his hat-trick goal from edge of the area, fantastic. And you you asked you asked he he was in tears really wasn't he towards the uh, one of the at the end of one of his interviews because it seemed like everything had just come together for him and he said he'd been waiting for that day for for years and years and years maybe even all his life i think in one of those he kind of alluded to so i've got a lot more i didn't disrespect him before i've got a lot more respect for him now they interview him quite a lot on the club channels especially when he's playing and and he comes. He doesn't speak with the most excitable of tones of voice, so it can be a little bit of a dull watch. He goes back to the stock footballer phrases. I know a lot of them do, but he just churns them out until the camera's switched off, and that's job done. But this was a heartfelt, honest, emotional couple of interviews, depending on which outlet you watch the game on or the the, the post match sort of uh, chat and analysis. But he meant that. He's worked hard to get there. He's thanking the teammates, the manager, and I know a lot of the time that they do, but it felt it felt proper. It feels like he feels like Leicester is his club now. And for me, he's moved from a bit of a cult figure at Leicester and somebody that gets the odd important goal to actually somebody who could be a very, very important first team player in the coming months and possibly even years. I think some people will be listening going, uh, you know, are we getting ahead of ourselves? It's, it is a hat-trick against the poor side. But I think there is more to it when you look at, as, as I was talking about with Vardy and about his progression and his um, it, the, the evolvement of, of, of his game, how, he, how he's going to be next year and um, etc. And I, I generally think that the, the side is evolving really. Or, or it, a lot of it is Vardy. A lot of it is. Because... Ian Acho's not had that partnership, and he needs that. Um, he really does. He he can't play up front on his own, and he will look lost, and he will lose confidence, and that's what's happened. And he's, you know, 24, you look at... Um, he's been around for an awful long time. He was at Man City uh, for a while, and again, you're going to score goals there, and then comes to Leicester with, with that big transfer fee, but then doesn't... Doesn't quite be, you know. Doesn't quite uh, fit into the side. It's all very well saying, "Oh, yeah, you, you know, Vardy comes off, you come on, and 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 go and go and follow that." Well, if you're not that sort of player, then that's going to be very, very difficult. And um, I just think there's there's the kind of stars are aligning. You know, this is what this guy needs, and this is what the best player that's ever played for the football club now 
looks like he might need as well. And the two have just kind of aligned and fantastic. It's it's worked out really well. Now, the, the, the one thing I would say is when, and especially to those listening, going, well, hang on, you know, I know he scored, what, five goals in three games, but can we do better? That's exactly what I would say. If we are now going to have a strike partner for Jamie Vardy, or are we going to play with Jamie Vardy and another centre forward? Do we go, Kalechi's doing really well, he's at the club, you're going nowhere. But guess what? We're a Champions League side. We're going to go out and get another and a better player who's going to play in the same role. That's hopefully what happens as well. But we'll, again, we'll see what happens in the uh, in the coming months and well, when it comes to transfers, obviously at the end of the season, hopefully we're in the Champions League. This was a good weekend for Leicester overall. You look at our main rivals for the top four. You look at Chelsea drawing. You look at say, shame that Liverpool won against uh, against Wolves, but um, other sides, what uh, West Ham? They got, of course beat by Manchester United. But if you're looking at the bigger picture as a top four overall. Um, then that was possibly the the lesser of the two evils regarding those two. And Everton, um, I, I, I never thought Everton would really pressurise towards the uh, towards the end of the season for that top four, and I suppose West Ham as well. But overall, a good and Spurs losing as well. The North London derby to Arsenal that was ideal really for Leicester. So a good weekend overall. Now, with regards to that top four place, um, there's. What happens if we finish fourth compared to what happens if we finish third or second? Do we qualify for the group stages? Do we have to qualify for... Do we go to a qualifier for the group stages, etc.? It depends if we're... From what I can gather, um, the top four is the top four. So if you finish fourth or you finish third or you finish second, you go through to the group stages of the Champions League. Fantastic. There is only one thing... And way I can see Leicester not qualifying for the Champions League, even if they're in the top four. And might try and get your head round this, but um, if Leicester finish fourth and Liverpool win the Champions League and finish outside of the top four, and either Tottenham or Arsenal win the Europa League and finish outside of the top four then it will be only the top three in the Premier League who qualify for the Champions League because you can only have five teams in the Champions League. So the winners of the Champions League, they go into it next year. So let's say that's Liverpool. The winners of the Europa League go into it next year. Let's say that's Arsenal. Those two sides finish you know, sixth and seventh in the Premier League. So you've got two teams qualified. You can only have another three, and that's first, second, third. So I do, we, do I think that's going to happen? No, I don't. I don't. But as we progress through these rounds in the Champions League and Europa League, it might just be something to look look at when you see Arsenal playing in Europa, you see Spurs playing. It might be just kind of a, hmm, actually, we could do with these uh, being knocked out here because it could get uh, slightly awkward. What? How bad would that be, Rob? <laughs> Finishing fourth and not qualifying. That would arguably be worse of a kick in the teeth than losing out on a Champions League place on the last day of last season to Manchester United. It really would. That that would be several huge slices of terrible luck all at the same time. All we've got to do is keep winning games though, Pete, because as you say, the results went fairly favourably for us this weekend and there's a there's a cushion 
there's a visible five-point cushion from us in third to anybody below us or even with games in hand looking at it. Um, even if West Ham won the game in hand, they'd still only be on 51 as well. So you can... We are starting to build a cushion. And the way you do that is by just cracking on, winning games and finishing the season strongly, which is now the territory that we're in, finishing the season. And apart from the Europa League, we're really in an ideal position. If, if you'd have asked us at the start of the season, with nine games to go, you're third with a five-point cushion inside the top four. You are in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup. You'd have gone, yeah, cheers. Thank you very much. That's pretty much what we outlined as what we wanted. Europa League's gone. We've forgotten about that already. Focus on two huge objectives, which is reaching the semi-finals of the FA Cup and qualifying for the Champions League, which would represent an outstanding season for Leicester City. It would do. Let's just do a few of the uh, the three-word reviews before uh, we move on to have a look at the United game. Uh, Nacho and Vardy should have scored more. Uh, we've got uh, dynamic front three, uh, fully loaded Nacho. Uh, front three masterclass. So a bit of a theme here. Uh, we have got further down. Uh, he's magic, you know. It's obviously one word. Uh, scoreline flattered Sheffield. Uh, Vardy, the assister. Uh, enjoyable afternoons viewing. Uh, Tillemans no look. Uh, Ian Acho. Uh, so plenty of three word reviews coming in on Twitter for the uh, for the five 0 win against Sheffield United. But we put that on the back burner, and we look forward to this. As you mentioned, Rob, quarter final tie against Manchester United. In th- it's amazing, isn't it? Because the the attention really has been on the Premier League and the top four, and that is. The overall aim this season, getting that top four, getting the Champions League, get on the plane to visit whoever next season, hopefully when fans are allowed back in stadiums. What a great season to look forward to. And also, who knows who we could buy in the summer. But the FA Cup is there. And now with the lack of Europa League football, we don't have to travel to Milan or wherever than play in terms of what United have to do this this week, we have a full week, and with the the injury problems that we've had, it's it's a great run up to this game. So we're in the quarterfinals, Rob, of the FA Cup against Manchester United. In theory, this should be a highlight of not just a season, but this should be a highlight of three or four seasons put together. Um, now, two or three weeks ago, this game looked like. I don't want to use the word annoyance, but I'm going to use it. It looked like, um, do you know what? We could, we, we might have to not play so and so, and on. Yeah, but you really want to play your first team, and it's is it going to be on the back of another rope? That doesn't exist now. That is completely screwed up and thrown in the bin for me. This is Leicester go out there with their absolute best team, which I think is there's no chance of that not happening, and really go for it i.e. same team, same lineup, if possible with Ricardo, uh, same formation, uh, having those three forward players, I don't think you can not have someone in that Perez role in behind the front two. I think it works so well, why would you change it? Uh, if Madison was fit, which he's not going to be, uh, then he would come in pull that role. I don't think having, say, uh, a Chowdhury or a Mendy or, or someone like that to just kind of um, solidify 
the central midfield area. I, nah, it's the FA Cup. Go for it. Why not? Also, United, again, on the back of travelling in Europe, uh, they have their own issues with regards to forwards. I was surprised, actually, that um, Marcus Rashford was playing the other day because it looked like he was going to be out for quite a while. But they do have issues up top. Uh, your Cavani's, your Martial's, etc. So who knows what can happen there. And I think on the back of what's been a fairly successful few weeks for Leicester, uh, we should be going in this game full pelt, full of confidence, and just really going for it. Why not? And it's a, a game I'm starting to really look forward to. There's there's obvious things leading up to um, the game on Sunday for a start. It's Cheltenham week, so there's an awful lot of attention for me uh, on, on that. So football-wise, it's probably something I'm not really going to switch on to until you know, Friday evening, Saturday. But I believe it's on the BBC, Rob. You can correct me there. But I'm just really I'm, I'm looking forward to this no end. It is on the BBC, you're absolutely right, and you are more than welcome to look forward to it because I think you are voicing the feelings of many tens of thousands of Leicester City fans uh, across voice the Voice of the fans, Rob, a, voice across, of the fans. You, it has been said before, Pete Selby is the voice <laughs> of the fans. I mean, it's it's not been said. Pete Selby is his own voice and you you can take whatever he says however you like. You can You can agree with him, you can disagree with him. But I'm sure he doesn't speak for you. But I think in this case, Pete, you do speak for everybody because you're right. It no longer stands out as an, just another fixture in a congested list. It stands out on its own merits as a proper cup tie that you, you know, the only thing to make it better would be either being in the ground or being in the pub watching it with a load of people. As it stands, you've got to watch it with whoever's in your household. Um so for some people, that might be great. Other people, maybe not. The other person in my household probably doesn't give a toss. So it'll just be me. And uh, it's, it's yeah, we need... To, I We say this all the time against teams that where we're perceived to be not necessarily the underdog, but the big games against the big teams. We've said in every preview, let's go for it. Let's take the game to them. We're no longer little old Leicester. We're the Leicester City that can dominate games, that can beat anybody on the day, no problem. Um, but pretty much every time, Brendan Rodgers hasn't gone that way. And in in many, many games, sort of not set up camp, but gone slightly more conservative. And if we'd have beaten, let's say not Sheffield United, but if we'd have beaten somebody good, at the weekend, 5-0 with this formation, then he might have been more tempted to to keep it exactly the same against Manchester United. Obviously, we don't know about Ricardo. If he's not available, do you trust that Albrighton can come in and do exactly the same job? I mean, he'll give it a go. Of course he will, as Mark Albrighton. And I can, I can genuinely see uh, Perez being brought out for Chowdhury or Mendy to then play those two anchoring the midfield and um, Tielemans slightly further forward, maybe not even a 10, but in a more advanced of a central midfield three, just as an insurance policy, particularly in the first half. These are the games where Brendan Rodgers shows that he clearly doesn't want to be out of the game. And I think playing Perez, Iheanacho and Vardy might represent a bit too much of a risk for him. But 
I personally, as a supporter, would absolutely love to see that. I'd love to see us go and play with three forwards in an FA Cup quarterfinal against Manchester United and say, here you go, deal with this. We've got Kelechi and Acho in the goal-scoring form of his life. Vardy's due a goal, but he's also king of the assists at the minute. And everybody else is well-rested after another week. They've analysed Manchester United tactically, know exactly what their job will be in the shape, and we are going to bring the game to you. I really hope that happens because that will make it a very entertaining spectacle. I tell you what, every time I have watched Manchester United this season, I've been bored. They seem to me, every time I see them or every time I see a result, they seem to have won 1-0. And bored is something I don't want to be on Sunday. Don't get me wrong, in the following podcast afterwards, if we beat Manchester United 1-0 after the world's most boring FA Cup quarterfinal, I'll have changed my mind. But right now, I'm building up for an entire week to an FA Cup quarterfinal against Manchester United. I want to be entertained. And to do that, we want three forwards on the pitch. We do. I think if Ricardo wasn't going to be playing, you would look at maybe switching then Castagna over to the right-hand side. And then I would say, look at someone like Luke Thomas and go, more we know we can get forward uh, scoring in the Europa League this year but I, I think if you have someone like that on the left you don't really associate United you're not going to be beaten height really on that side with the, the three centre-halves that Leicester have and then Ndidi in front I think someone like him would maybe just add a bit more of a defensive aspect to the left-hand side with regards to Albrighton say playing in that role uh, if you were going to go with those three forwards, which I think we should do, uh, or three forward players, then having Albrighton on the left would be really attacking, wouldn't it? You know, in that formation. Uh, it, who knows? It, it could well be. He's intelligent enough to play in that role. Uh, I would just err on the side of caution and play someone like um, someone like Luke Thomas on that side. Who knows? Maybe even Christian Fuchs. But um, Thomas would be, for me, the pick. And that's with regards to Ricardo, now he said he's had a, a tight hamstring and there's been no real news of that. If there was any chance that there was a slight issue or he wasn't going to be fully wound up, I don't think there's any real reason to to risk that. We do have players there who can play in that role. Who Maybe even play um, Castagna over on the back on the left-hand side at Wimbledon. And, and you throw in um, Billy Campbell on that on, on the um on the, on the right and, and and give him a go and say there you go you know here's, here's your here's your chance it's why not it's the FA Cup anything can happen as they say so um, that's the only problem really that's the only kind of issue I'd say with the starting lineup I can't see any reason why they you wouldn't go with the team that started against Sheffield United I, I can't see any reason why not it would be great to see again Perez in that role perfect for him after a great game uh, we know Clechi and Vardy we spoke about them plenty enough and and then looking at the back line going forward and we've spoke about the forward line in the future and what could happen in regards to players that would still be a, a a bit of a question mark I still would like Leicester to play with a four I think most people would say that uh, and who knows what would happen in 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 the future but at the current time 
we're going to have to play with a three. And having Evans there in the middle of the three is ideal. I still don't think a three really suits Soyuncu at the moment. He might grow into that role. Um, I don't think uh, Fafana... I, I think Fafana, it's because it's so he's so new. Um, we, to say he can't play or his best formation is in the middle of a back two or compared to a back three. I don't think we can say that at the moment because he's still so raw and so young. But uh, so, uh, but I will say with the three, it gives him more uh, more options going forward. I thought against Sheffield United, again, it was just them. But when he brought the ball forward, um, it looked like he enjoyed having options on his right and playing the ball in, inside and having that bit of freedom, knowing that he's got Johnny Evans behind him and also Soyuncu as well. Again, you're playing against lesser opposition. So against United, you don't think he... Well, he shouldn't be anyway, but uh, you'd think he'll be told to, to hang back a bit more. But uh, so, so we'll wait and see. With regards to how the game's going to go, the FA Cup, isn't it? I, I just think, and it'll be interesting to see what happens on Thursday in the Europa League, if United go to extra time and penos, that would be ideal, wouldn't it? It's... It, and what happens with their forwards? That's going to be my my big thing because the rest of the side should really pick itself. Um, the, I, I think De Gea's not been playing for a while. I think I don't know whether there's some personal issues there or something to do with his family, etc. But um, with regards to football, I think they've got the best goalkeeper in goal now in Henderson. He would be my number one at, at Manchester United, no problem at all. Uh, the defence should really pick itself. Um and then as you go forward, their midfield, it's only solid, isn't it? With United, it's all about um, Fernandez and about the forwards. He's he's a really good player, Fernandez. And the one thing he's given, he's given absolute, complete uh, ability, liability, uh, the, the ability to just do whatever he wants. So if he makes a mistake or he misplaces a pass, I have... I don't think there's another player in the Premier League who misplaces as many passes as him. And that's because he tries the impossible pass. And this is not the Hollywood David Beckham 50-yard diagonal. This is the little slip-through pass, through legs, this, that, and the other. But because he tries that all the time, when it does work out and it leads to a goal, he gets the assist. He gets, he's got such fantastic stats with goal scoring and assists. It's unbelievable. But I would imagine his completed pass record is really quite poor. Um, but that's because he's given full realm to pretty much do uh, do what he wants. So shut him down. And I'm not saying get Pontus Camark to sit on him, a la Janino. Reference there for the kids. Um, but really look after him. And then whoever is playing further forward, if you've got Greenwood, who I think is a very good player... But if he's playing as the main number nine, I would look at that starting lineup and go, these are here for the taking. Do you know what I mean? If you've got, say, Marshall as a nine, you've got Greenwood on the right and then Rashford on the left, you look at him and go, hang on, you know, that's a different prospect. If you look and you've got um, Cavani down the centre with Rashford on one side and, say, Greenwood on the right or, or whatever with Fernandez in behind, yes, that's a different prospect. But I've got half a feeling, depending on what happens on Thursday, that we could look at that Manchester United starting lineup, and more importantly, the players could look at the Manchester United starting lineup and go, "We know what's going to happen at the back in midfield. 
Look at their forward line. That's not an awful lot to worry about on paper. Let's go for it. Let's really go for it. And I thought Leicester started really well against Sheffield United. They did exactly what everyone wanted them to and come out the gates flying. Hopefully get an early goal, but control the game. Get a grip of the game and just say to the opposition, you've got you got your way inferior than us. We're just going to dominate from the start. And that's exactly what they did. Against United, and I know I say it all the time, start well, start well. But in this game, it's the FA Cup. Why not? Go for it. Gun at them. And I just think that United's starting lineup, when it's announced, might just add an extra couple of percent onto a Leicester side and squad, which at the moment I think is brimming with confidence. And I just think when that starting lineup's announced, it could just give them that extra kick to mean that Leicester go through to the semi finals. Yes, I like the positive finish. Prediction time. Now, I don't believe that this is going to happen for a second, but I've declared that I want oh, entertainment. Great <laughs> I d- I've declared that I want entertainment, so I'm going. I'm going to predict entertainment because if I don't predict it, what's the chances of it happening? Knowing I look probably very high. Um, I'm going to predict a two-two with Leicester to win on penalties and Ianacho to bag the winning pen. Oh my God! Here we go. Happy days. That's exactly what you want. I I agree with you with goals. I think there will be goals. I'm going to go for. I'm going to go. I'm going to go for two-one. Uh, maybe three-one. I'm going to go for three-one. In fact, so Leicester a, a late goal to confirm the win. A three-one. Uh, yeah, Ian Acho to score. I, I can see Vardy. Well, we all hope Vardy bags. Um, why not Vardy? And. Uh, Let's, let's, in fact, why not? It's the FA Cup. I'm going to go for a Vardy goal to start it off with. I'm going to go Wesley Fafana to score for the first time. How he's not scored this season. We all know about the 40-1, to 50-1 to 1 record he's got. Um, and I've got back in him. I mean, how he didn't score when he hit the bar. I mean, oh my God. Talk about haunting me. I mean, oh my word. Um, so, I'm going to go for Fafana. And then, of course, the main man, Kelechi, at the moment to, uh, to round off a win. So, 3-1 for me. And two two for you in the FA Cup, and and then they go through to the semi finals. When was the last time Leicester played in the semi finals? Have you got that stat? Because it's not in my brain. Uh, it's not in my brain. I know it's in the eighties, sometime. Do you know a what? long time ago? Shall we say a long time ago? Oh yeah, definitely. It was um, as I'm typing into my phone now. Speak amongst yourselves. But you know, if if it is before, if if you're talking eighties, eighty two before my. 82, that's before your lifetime, isn't it? Doing the maths in my head quickly. Yeah, only, only by a year, but 82. So um, I, kn- I knew it was the early 80s. Funny enough, when I was doing the... Um, and you can look back on however you're listening to this podcast. Go back just uh, under a year and you'll find the um, the little, what, three or four episode series that whilst on in the summer everyone was obviously doing nothing i was trawling through the history books and creating alternative timelines uh, for leicester uh, doing that i actually obviously saw that leicester in the semi final of the fa cup in the early 80s i never knew that now that's quite a thing because i i just i just presumed that leicester had never been in the semi final of the fa cup since uh, i knew in the 70s say the 70s but I that eighties. I was like, really? I, that just completely bypassed me in 
in any kind of literature or or watching any program or just even hearing about it. So, yeah, um, it will be the first semi-final if they get through for an awful long time. And uh, the semi-finals at Wembley, I know the fans won't be there. Hopefully they'll be there for the final. But it will be something that I would guess, really, the vast majority of people listening to this podcast, or not the vast, the majority, let's say, of people who listen to for fox sake would not have seen because i wouldn't have seen that you know you you would have to be i'd imagine 10 years old at the time to maybe still have that memory of watching that game if you were maybe there or or watching on tv for for example so uh it would be a a real thing and another kind of notch on the on the wall another tick in the book to to kind of highlight the progression of the football club you qualify for Europe you play in Europe which is still a complete novelty really um you get to an FA Cup or a cup semi-final unfortunately <laughs> the when we did that what last year it was so disappointing wasn't it against Villa but at least we got over that hurdle those all those quarter-finals in both competitions all those penalty shootouts and that over the last two to three years we kept on getting to the quarter-finals we got over that ultimately fell at the semi-final last year of the League Cup, but this time of the FA Cup, again, how many times have we got to the quarterfinals? And that's not just in the last two or three years. In the last, say, ten, we've got to the quarterfinals a few times. So let's get over this obstacle that we can't get over at the moment and get to the semifinals. Let's just progress again. And then, uh, hopefully, in the league, the progression will continue and we finish in the top four. That's the that's the plan. But uh, it would be great to watch Leicester in a semi-final, Rob. It would. It absolutely would. Especially in, as you say, because it wouldn't necessarily wouldn't seem like a one-off, even though it would be the first time in a very, very, very long time. You would. It, it would give us, as the fans, a taste of what hopefully is to come more often, and that's going deeper into competitions getting closer to, if not winning, certain competitions and continuing to, uh, to, to sort of... I say I don't say I don't mean upset the apple cart because I, I'm as fed up as everybody else as, as people, people ignoring Leicester being a, a fixture in the top four or top six this season. But, you know, continuing to to position ourselves at the upper end of the Premier League as a sort of medium to long-term objective rather than this just being a flash in the pan or a couple of years in um um of of highs amongst uh amongst our recent history it would it would add another sort of rubber stamp to the fact that Leicester are here to stay in all competitions and are a force to be reckoned with in all competitions and as a supporter I don't think there's there's very little that's more exciting than being in with an actual shout of winning silverware on a, I, d- I don't want to say regular basis, but being more likely to win silverware than we have been in the majority of the time that you and I have been Leicester fans, to be perfectly honest. Exactly, and it was a such a fantastic weekend because Leicester City women, they played their top-of-the-table clash against Durham, two teams who are miles clear of everyone else. Leicester had a game in hand anyway. So if it did go wrong, then they had the ability to get back up and overtake Durham because they got the better goal difference. Um, but 
Leicester won and won quite convincingly in the end and, and, and really did kind of rubber stamp the fact that they are the best team in the championship and going forward if they can really seal promotion and get through to the, the WSL I have absolutely no no doubt at all that they will invest in the summer um, and when I mean invest attract a high quality of player to the football club for all the reasons that we know the training ground being a very obvious one and and also I think that the side at the moment would be um, comfortable in the WSL I think they wouldn't get relegated I think they would be mid to lower half you would say uh, so and we know that the WSL will be on the BBC next year, etc., etc. So a really good win for Leicester City women. And just fingers crossed they can get the job done. I've got no doubt that they will. And uh, and that promises to be really good. I'm, I'm looking forward next year to go and watch them in the WSL when we can go back and watch football. I think a lot of people will do that as well. I think they'll attract a, a big crowd. Hopefully they can still play in their, their games. I don't think they're going to switch their games to Beaver Drive. I don't know this for an absolute fact at all. I just don't believe there's any reason to leave Farley Way where Quorn play. I don't think there's any reason to because you're going to have to have facilities and and the ability for paying public to come. So I'd imagine they'll play at Farley Way. But we'll cross that bridge when we get there again with uh, with Leicester City women. But a really good win. And, um, and looking forward to next season, Rob, there was a real... <laughs> Do you know, there, I was talking to a mate of mine this week and uh, and he mentioned, he says, do you know who um, Kamal Sower is? And I, and I just, ba- I said, no, who? Like this. Have you ever heard of Kamal Sower? I have, yes. Uh, only because um, I, I watched, because we had nothing better to do, I watched a few of Leicester's pre-season matches and there were a lot of youngsters involved. And he's... If I'm right in saying this, he's one of the many Leicester players that are currently on loan at in Belgium at Leuven. That's correct. Now, when he mentioned him, in relation, it would always be in relation to Leicester because you know both obviously big Leicester City fans. And I I recognised the first name actually. It was the Kamal part that I was. Like, Is he been linked with Leicester or is he a youngster and all that? Yeah, he's he's 21 and just turned 21. And he's on loan at uh, at Leuven, and he's been there for a while. And he's been on loan essentially since he signed for the club quite a few years ago. So he's not like he's he's just kind of turned up at Leicester. But anyway, he's on loan at uh, at Leuven, and he says um, this is on Friday. He says um, apparently he's he's been absolutely fantastic. And I said, well, I know Leuven have been playing really well, and they're on outside chance of being uh, qualifying for Europe. Said yeah, playing playing really well. Anyway, went on a, a, a podcast on Friday, a Liverpool podcast, um, which is it was a uh, they do a show with regards to the Premier League weekend. So they have fans from different clubs, etc., and a bit of a preview, and it's all you know quite light hearted. Anyway, there was a chap on there who works at Opta talking about um, players and etc., and, and and he can't watch his team's game this weekend because he's covering the the Belgium League, the Jupiter League. And I just, I just said, oh, have you ever heard of Kamal Sower? Again, a guy I didn't know about until about three hours before. And he just turns around and he goes, oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know about him. And he just went on about him. And he just says, he says, this kid has just burst out of a real breakthrough season. 
but he's been fantastic. An attacking midfielder can play loads of different positions. Um, he's played all over the place, left, right, centre. I think his ideal place is kind of on the right, attacking midfielder, forward kind of role. But it, it's just an exceptional season. And he says, he says, if you were, I know he's on loan from Leicester. I says, yeah, I had, he says, oh, obviously all Leicester fans are looking forward to him. I said, I've, I've never heard of the guy, <laughs> I said, to be honest. And he says, he's basically, if he wasn't on loan from Leicester, you would say he would be bought in the summer from Leuven. He would be bought by one of the, the bigger clubs in Europe for 15 or 20 million quid. <laughs> that's, that's, that's how good this guy is. He, he's a player who won't be there next year. He will be bought by a big club. That's how well he's played. And I said, I've never heard of the kid. So, Kamal Sower, everyone. Um, Kamal Sower, S-O-W-A-H. Now, there'll be a lot of people out there going, come on, Pete, we all know about him. We've all been looking forward to him next season. We've got him in the starting lineup next year. But apparently, he's going to come back to Leicester and be straight into the first-team squad. And who knows? It's uh, but yeah, it, it was just a real surprise. But when he when he mentioned about this, and again, this is this is a guy from this isn't just any just random fan. This is a you know a, an Opta guy who covers the Jupiter League. You know, so you'd think it would be pretty accurate. Do you know what I mean? So there you go, something to look forward to. A, a rave review from a bloke who is paid to not only watch football but compile statistics on football. That's that's decent recommendation. And it's funny that earlier on in the podcast we were talking about Leicester City needing a an out and out right sided attacking midfield slash winger to balance things up for when Barnes comes back. There he is. There you go. Yeah. It adds it adds to these youngsters coming through. Um you know, making these appearances, Tavares being the obvious one, but uh there seems to be a bit of a group now, don't there, Robert? A, a good two or three players, and if you, you, know, you throw Sir obviously straight in there, who are who look to be um, out of this group of say four. If if two of them, for example, turn into players of the ilk of say a Barnes or a Chilwell, do you know what I mean? You can then go on command a big fee or or have what at the moment looks to be very good professional careers, international careers, in fact. If if just half of this group of players who have made appearances for Leicester or look like they will be in the foreseeable future, then then we've got a, a good crop coming through. We have indeed. We've seen the, the rise of Luke Thomas this season. Daley Campbell's had a couple of appearances. Lesha Bella got off the bench against Sheffield United at the weekend. And I know part of it's partly been... Um, forced upon Brendan Rodgers to bring these players through but he's never been afraid to do it before and it's it's a real sort of plus point of his coaching he he includes a lot of the youngsters the development squad in the first team training um sessions anyway the expansion of the bench to nine substitutes has enabled more of them to savor a sort of first team match day experience and the injury list this time in attacking positions has allowed Tavares, a ball-playing midfielder, Le Chabella, an attacking midfielder, to come in and taste first-team action. And like you say, you can't you can't put your finger on it and say that all five of those that have made their appearances this season, four or five, whatever it is, are going to go on to have great careers because, you know, you see a lot of academy graduates just fall by the wayside. But two or three of them would be 
absolutely brilliant. Real testament to the the academy structure at Leicester and also the fact that we can be the team third in the Premier League, willing to continue to give these players their opportunities uh, and see what they're about and see if they can add extra strength to the squad, which they're proving that they can do at the moment. Just saying, Kamal Sauer, get your money on now for young PFA Player of the Year next year. He's, he's going to be the, the star of the Premier League and the Champions League, obviously. He's going to be lifting that cup. Anyway, on to uh, after what's been a very positive podcast, what's been a positive look forward, and what's been a positive look forward even further to uh, to to possible young stars. Um, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go rein it back in now and and finish on a low because it's the fantasy football league. <laughs> So the top 10 of the For Fox 8 Podcast Fantasy Football League. If I actually do bring it on my screen, I'll be able to read it out. Here we go. And in 10th place, we've got Fraser Hodgkins with Lord of the Ings. I like that name. Uh, on 1,775 points. Up into 9th, Gareth Bell, Bulldogs Forever. 1,784 points. In 8th place, Steve Curtin with FC Vladovich Barbers on the same points. On 7th place, or in 7th place, down, it's Tala Hunya with Team Lau, 1,792 points. Up into 6th place, John Follows, JFC Leicester, 1,795 points. Top 5 in 5th place, Max Magnusson with Rav Zatskin. That's completely said wrong, but there we go, 1,842 points. Down into fourth, Joe Healy, Les Dennis, 1,845 points. Top three, up into third, it's Sumzai Yazdani, FC Mordor, 1,850 points. In second place, Luke Taylor, Taylor made 1,858 points. And in front, Sam Lau with 1,893 points. So looking at the top five, there is nothing between fifth and second. There was a gap between sixth and fifth, so the top five looked to be clear. But fifth to second, there is only 16 points. And then there was a bit of a gap, uh, what, 30-odd points to Sam Lau at the top. Uh, Further down, I am in 22nd place, which is pretty much where I've been for the last few weeks. Not the greatest week in the world. Crikey, here. Number 17th, Matt Hatson. Whole yacht of love. 92 points. Wow. And his captain was Salah. He had any, oh, he's got... Uh, <laughs> here we go. Um, Ian Acho and Vardy is the forward line. <laughs> Lovely old job there. Fantastic. So it um, just caught my eye, really, because I think everyone's got in the 40s or 50s in regards to points, but 92, that's a fair effort. Uh, so I'm back in 22nd place with Frank Sinclair own goal. Um, Cancelo did well. Um, disappointing Spurs players, Leeds players. Uh, yeah, so not the greatest week. The average was 43, and I got 43. So um, to say it was an average week would be incredibly accurate. Uh, I'm scrolling, Rob. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Yes, you're bang average, and I, as usual, am ever so slightly below average. Only slightly. 41 I got this week, which wasn't a disaster. I had Cancelo. Uh, I was hoping for West Ham United to do me a bit of a favour. 
Um, I also thought that Spurs would turn Arsenal over and captain Harry Kane, uh, which obviously didn't pan out very well for me. Just a load of low scorers who played 90 minutes, but not an awful lot else. But let's be honest, I'm basically in the same position as Sheffield United are in the Premier League anyway. There is no way out for me. I'd love to be able to get in the top 100, but every time I have a couple of good weeks, I follow it up with a distinctly average one like this. I'm just looking how far out of the top 100 I am. 27, 42 points outside the top 100. That's not actually that bad, but I'm not holding my breath. No, no, it's... uh... It's it's going to be interesting next week. There's only a, there's only a few games with the FA Cup etc. So I've got about eight or nine players playing. Question marks over Bamford, whatever. So it, I think there could be a few changes next week in the uh, in the league table. But uh, it won't obviously make any difference to where you are. But uh, the, my my aim of the top ten, the dream is still alive. I still have that triple captain up my sleeve, and. Um, yeah, maybe not next week, but we'll we'll see. Uh, a, a couple of final things. Um, Bruce, Bruce, you, you're listening, Bruce. Um, I can't get you a shirt from Leicester because the burgundy shirts or the purple shirts, as we all know, Bruce won the competition. Was it before Christmas, Rob? I think it was. It, it um, was a long time ago, yeah. And... He's not asking for the most outrageous size in the world. You know, it's a size that pretty much most people are. And they don't have it. They said they were going to get a new supply. This is Leicester, you know, this isn't, it's not like I've got a, a VIP line. I'm just emailing and phoning, etc. They haven't had a new supply of shirts. So we're just going to keep on, I keep on asking pretty much every week. And I keep on, you know, asking via t- Twitter and via um, phoning them up, etc. And also, the person who I'm speaking to, I know as well. So when I mention they don't know you, I don't have a, a special kind of in there, but I do know the person I'm talking to, so they're not going to fob me off. Do you know what I mean? Uh, they don't have any as yet. So there we go. It's um, There's nothing really we can do extra. It's uh, it's the kind of... Um, it's, it's just the way of... The way of the world at the moment, you know, it's all a, it's all a right mess. But we'll uh, we'll, we'll keep on trying because uh, end of the day, you won our competition, and uh, we want to get you that shirt. Um, and uh, and the final thing, really, Rob. Uh, ooh, let's just find it on the old uh, tweet. Well done um, to Michael Regan. I don't know whether you, you're listening. Um, famous sports photographer, big Leicester fan, um, and uh, he won uh, uh, the sports journalist award, the uh, SGA. Um, football portfolio award um, working for Getty etc so uh, you can find that if you go on Twitter you find him and you can see uh, all of his work absolutely fantastic you'd have seen all of his photos anyway I'm sure without probably knowing it was actually him but uh, uh, he's uh, uh, I'm previous listener to the podcast I'm sure hopefully he still listens and uh, if you are then uh, well done and um, there we go yeah I tweeted a bit of a, a well done or claps and a fox and all that sort of thing on Twitter I am completely out, Rob. Anything else? No, that's an hour and 20 minutes of predominantly positive podcasting. Shall we leave it there? Yeah, I think so. So this time next week, Rob, we'll be looking forward to another game in the Premier League, knowing that Leicester are in the FA Cup semi-final. Can we Can we just confirm that? that that's the idea, isn't it? Yeah, if we say it enough times with enough belief and conviction, it will happen. We will make the FA Cup semi-final. Exactly. And it's just great to be... And we said this last time, it's great 
to be in this position, to look forward to a game knowing that you've had a good few weeks in the Premier League. The win against Sheffield United really confirmed those uh, late winner at, at uh, Brighton and also the draws etc you know those really now turn into some good points earned uh, mainly thanks to Kletchi Nacho. hopefully he can carry on the goal scoring thanks for listening everyone make sure you uh, review the podcast you leave a five star review if you can um, just go down to the bottom of however you listen to the podcast on your provider of choice and, and leave a review follow us at FFS pod on twitter you can email us for fox 8 podcast at gmail.com you can email us about anything you like any questions you want asking any information about the podcast or about us or whatever uh, just <clears throat> email him Make sure you uh, don't choke as well, because you don't want to do that like I've just done. And uh, follow us on Facebook as well. We're on Facebook. Type in for Fox 8 Podcast. And you can find us on there. So we'll be back next week, hopefully, looking forward to a game in the Premier League and looking forward to an FA Cup semi-final. Enjoy the week. Enjoy Cheltenham. And enjoy the FA Cup. (laughs) 